You son of a bitch. <laughs> I immediately saw that right when I started doing my info, and you hit mute on the wrong damn one. We're keeping this in here. Just, just we're keeping this in here right now. So just I have to show, edit it out. Just, just, just to show the, the, just the, the, the panic that, that I deal with, with you. Oh, God. Damn, you know what? Fuck this. Let's just... Guys, you have no idea how hard it is to host a podcast with someone just about <laughs> to sabotage everything you do. It's just, I can't believe it. The shit that I, I scrolled up with. when I went to scroll down. It's a thing. It's been a day. Okay. It's been a day. Uh, okay. <laughs> it wouldn't be a podcast uh, without a goof. Yeah. It's a show just how dumb veterans are, right? <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, guys, before I was so rudely interrupted, um, <laughs> we're going to be talking about something I think that hits a lot of people. Um, volunteering, being told to lead, you know, organizations, uh, fundraise, whatever, however, right? And it puts into perspective that whole do more with less. I fucking hate that saying. Like, fuck you. Seriously? But what what really sucks is, you know, they'll sit there and be like, you know, preaching about just be good at your job, take care of your people, do all this, do all that. And then you'll be smoking hot in your fucking section, leading the way, bringing shit up to par, making it better. People know that they can come to you whenever, you know, they have a question about work because they're like, oh, yeah, he knows, she knows. And then come you know annual appraisal time they're like well why didn't you do this why didn't you do that well it's like well i was was focused on the job you know you guys say be good at your job folk take care of your people that's what i did like yeah but you know what are you doing outside of work i'm fucking relaxing for the most part being with my family and then i'll work out but what, what do you mean? Like, well, you should be volunteering. You should be leading these base organizations. And I'm just like, you could volunteer these nuts in your mouth. I don't want to do a damn thing when I get off work. But, and then on top of that, it's like it's never enough. And I fucking hate it because I did so much in my last few years trying so hard to get uh, promoted to, to E7. But, it was, it literally was never enough. No matter what I did, I would do exactly to the T what they fucking asked me to do. And they always like, well, why didn't you do this? I'm like, what do you want me to fucking do? And it comes down to a lot of the whole, they already know who they're going to pick. Like they, they dub like, Hey, this person is blessed and we're going to make sure that they get what they need. And I know Jess puts up with a lot of that shit and seen a lot of that. She's been in the force, you know, far before my time, back in the six and a half week BMT program. Back when but, we had BDUs. Now I'm yeah, really right. showing my age. Oh, man. Well, have you ever been told you need to volunteer? 
And you're like, oh, I volunteered to fucking join. I don't understand the premise behind it. Like, like at a certain point, it's like, what? why do we have to give so much outside of our job? Because then a lot of times when you're doing those base orgs, like, you know, top three or what, you know, I don't know what the other branches, you know, do, but like, you know, we have what's called the five, six, the, the NCOs, um, E fives and E sixes. And you have the top three, which is, you know, senior NCOs. And then you have the first four or the airmen's council, you know, for the lower enlisted and you have the president, vice president, secretary, treasurer, sergeant of arms. And like you go run for those positions, right. And you lead stuff all throughout the year, um, and whatnot. But, a lot of that stuff is during work hours. Like yeah. a lot of it. And it almost puts to the point. It's like, you want me to be good at my job, but then you don't want me to be at my job because you want me volunteering and doing all this other stuff. And to an extent, I can understand some things, but it, they, they just lie to your face when they say you focus on the job, focus on being, good and making sure that the section uh, is running as tight as it can be, you know, take care of your people, make sure they're trained, you know, put them up for awards and whatnot like that. Um, and I did all of that. I did it to, to a fault that like, I was just, I, I was killing myself, you know, on and off the clock, you know, and not, you know, taking more time away from my family and it sucked, but I was doing, I, I was playing the game. The, the game is do all these things and then hopefully you look good when on the board, make it to the next rank, at least for, you know, um, the senior NCO ranks. But it, it was infuriating to a point where it's like, I'll sit there and tell them like, yeah, I was the Sergeant of Arms for the wing, like the entire like base, the wing five, six, uh, our council that year, we hit, we hit some records. We did a lot of stuff and like, I, and it was good. You know, like we, we raised like just four or $5,000 that year, over half of it on just one event and just so much stuff that we did. And then like, you put it in there and are like, oh, well, you were, you were a sergeant of arms. Like what, why didn't you go for like president or vice president? Like, does it fucking matter? I I did what you want me to do. I was in a leadership position on the base organization, the whole base, not, not just a small squ uh, squadron, the, the whole fucking base. And, and here's the thing to that too. Like if, okay, so they want you to be president or vice president. Well, every other supervisor on base is telling their subordinate to do the same thing. So yeah. it's gotta be fair and equitable for those positions or else they would only have the two positions and then it would be a, a fucking duel to try to get them. Yeah. And, and at the time, what was, what was funny is uh, we had a squadron five, six as well. We had the squadron five, six, and of course the wing five, six. And whenever I went to the, the wing, my first wing five, six meeting, um, they were doing elections. I was new. I didn't bring anybody there that knew me to vote for me. I just threw my hat in the hat in the bucket. I gave a little speech and people loved what I had to say. And then I ended up 
getting elected out of nowhere. I was like, oh, shit, cool. I wasn't expecting this. And then the next day I go to the Squadron 5-6 meeting doing elections. And I end up being fucking president because nobody ran. So here I am leading two organizations, one for the squadron, one for the base. And still, it was just like, okay, well, what else did you do? I'm like, like what, you want me to do more? I'm like, what the fuck are you, what, 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 what's going to make you happy? And does and it's like yeah. nothing ever does. That, just, there comes a point where you're just asking too much. And that's asking too much of someone. I mean, like, I've I've had it, I've had it told to me that, especially in the senior NCO ranks, like they're looking for someone who can, you know, be outside of the box, lead outside of the box, right? Not just focus on their unit and to also focus on, you know, building relationships and learning how to lead out of like different streams of stuff that's coming in. And I understand that, like, I'm, I'm not faulting that. And the way that they look at it is you getting out and doing this stuff, right? But there also comes a point on the flip side of that, you know, just like you said, what more do you want me to do? Because now you're just burning yourself out Mm because burning yourself out isn't going to make you any better. It's going to make you resentful. And even if, say, if you were to get promoted off of all that extra stuff that you did, you're going to be pissed off that you're promoted because now you've got more responsibility because you've gotten promoted And now they're going to expect you to do even more stuff on top of that because, oh, you already did 15 fucking things extra that we wanted you to do to make this stripe. Can you do 30 to get the next? And it's like, it has to, you have to have a balance. I mean, because if not, you're going to end up, you're going to end up one of those retirees that let's say you make chief or whatever, you make E9 in whatever branch you're in. You've done all this shit. Then you're going to get out and you're going to hate the military and you're going to resent it. And you're never going to tell people about your great experiences because you burned the candle at both ends to the point where you damn near kill yourself. Yeah. And, uh, and that those types of things, whenever they're just, you know, they're saying, Hey, you know, this isn't required, but you know, it's highly recommended when anytime you hear that, you know, okay, well I have to fucking do it. But What's even worse is like whenever they're sitting there demanding more, wanting more, saying, hey, you know, it's cool that you did this, but when you, you didn't accomplish enough, so you need to do more. Like just it, it's never a satisfactory to them because all they all they're seeing is, well, I got to I got to have somebody that has this kind of stuff, this kind of hard hitting, you know, widespread uh, influence that way I look good as a leader when I'm putting these people up and then all of a sudden when I'm going up for my package to for a board then I can say oh I helped all the like in the end they only care about themselves when you get to that high ranking point because in the end that's what matters like how well is your your flight your squadron doing so now you're demanding us lower enlisted to do everything under the sun at your job and then everything under the moon after our job. And, and at a point we're just like, no dude, I, I'm fucking tired. I'm exhausted. I don't want to do any of this shit. Cause with that being said, you, you get to that point. Like I did, I just, no matter what they did, I didn't care anymore. I like my last year at Lake and Heath before I went to Hill I didn't, I didn't do anything that they wanted me to do. And I just focused on my job and I became really fucking good at my job. I took care of my people. I got, my people won awards. 
I never got, I never won anything, you know, because I never got put up for anything, but I didn't care. I'm just taking care of my people, doing my job. And then they're like, well, why didn't you do this? I'm like, I didn't want to. It's like, well, you know, as a, as a E6, you know, as a tech sergeant leader going, trying to go off for a senior NCO stripe, uh, it's suspected of you. I was like, okay, I'm not going to do it. Why? Because I don't want to. And two, why? I'm really good at my fucking job. You see that my people are, are excelling. And yet, I'm not good enough under, under your standards to get promoted. Because in the end, isn't that all we all that matters? Getting the fucking mission accomplished to the best of our ability. And getting our people underneath us who we lead to excel. To be amazing at their job. You know, to help guide them through one, being an airman up into young NCO and to just to be an adult because you get a lot of kids and you got to basically be their extended parent, teaching them how to be a fucking grown up. And it's still never enough. And I just, I got sick of it. One year, my last year that I gave a shit, like doing everything under the sun, it was the year, it was 2020, it was COVID. And if any year I should have made master, like, the heaviest hitting I could have had, it should have been off of that package because that year when you're over in, uh, overseas, especially in the UK, you get a lot of locals that work on base. You know, a lot of people don't realize how many civilians actually work on a military installation, but with, when you're overseas, you know, you'll have local nationals, you know, so we had Brits on the base, but, um, yeah, we don't control them. It's the UK government. And when COVID hit, obviously, you had a lot of people, you know, in the Air Force who are mainly administrative jobs, like focusing on a computer. They all got sent home to work remote, obviously. I didn't have that luxury. But all the Brits, they got sent home for three months, paid because, you know, the UK government didn't want them to go to work. And so here I am in my position. I'm running two different sections now because the the civilian that we had assigned to us in our section he didn't work for me it was like more of a collaborative uh thing but i'm i'm having to cover his job now i'm running his job i'm running my job and then on top of that my previous job uh on that base was managing and controlling hazardous materials on the entire wing the entire base but that's a that was a civilian ran section after i left He's no longer at work, so who is a fallback to? Me, because I just came from there. So I'm running three sections. One that's a that's an entire wing program by myself. On top of that, I'm still going to school. I earned my master's degree during COVID. Like I'm doing everything and more. And it was exhausting as hell. I even organized and ran a tri-base uh, event. When you say it, when I say tri-base over there where I was, there's literally three bases within just miles of each other. So we call it the tri-base area. Um, I ran the first ever um, fully virtual tri-base uh, five, six, um, I guess you can call it a webinar, you know, it was on the five, six Facebook page. We ran it live, took live questions. And it was talking to a chief who sat on a promotion board for, the Air Force, like grading packages to help people, you know, get promoted. I, it was my brainchild. I, I, I thought of it. I went to them. I set it up. I got the, I got the chief. Like I did everything for that. And still 
I wasn't even like a name in a hat when it came to it. I wasn't even a considered, you know, one of those NCOs that stood out to even be, be even recognized as, Hey, he did, he kept kicking ass whenever, you know, COVID hit and all the lockdowns and the restrictions and people staying home to work remote. He held it down. No, they didn't even say my name. I wasn't even considered. What kind of feedback did you get from that after after that board happened? I did. What did they tell you? You didn't get I any didn't. feedback. No, because the supervisor That's completely at the time, fucked. The supervisor I had at the time, one, I actually got a markdown on that fucking rating period. <laughs> For and what? I don't know because the fucking supervisor I had, she wrote my EPR, she submitted it. And she PCS, which normally wouldn't be a big deal because you know, you know, if you PCS, you still you know do feedback over the phone. But she fell off yeah. the face of the fucking earth. Like, couldn't get her email, couldn't get where she like her phone, nothing. Like, she was just gone. She didn't separate or anything. She was just fucking gone. Nobody, we could not get a hold of her. So I have no idea why she marked she marked me down, and I have no idea why my name was even pushed up to go to the squadron to get, you know, that extra boost for, for a master. Like, I have no idea what about me during that period with everything I fucking did was not enough. I have no idea. That's fucking crazy, man. Like, I mean, cause I haven't personally dealt with that. Now I've dealt with having to like sign my EPR and, you know, getting feedback on one thing. And then your EPR comes back. For those of you who don't know, an EPR is um, your annual evaluation in the Air Force. So if you're Army, it's similar to your NCOER. It's um, EPB now, right? But yes, it's EPB now. It's a listen performance brief. It's it's a totally different form now. Um, so we don't, based on the form, like we get rated differently now. I'll put it that way. So yeah. I mean, the only time that I've ever dealt with that was when I was deployed and I had gotten my feedback literally like a month before I was going to sign my EPR. And then (laughs) I was supposed to get one rating and then I got a different rating when I got my EPR. And Uh when I signed it, I put that I did not agree with the evaluation because my supervisor told me one thing and I got something different. But for them to just blatantly not give you any kind of feedback, like even if even if that person disappeared off the face of the earth, like was the, was their supervisor not tracking? Like, was this a master sergeant that was rating on you? Yeah. So like your senior wasn't tracking what was going on. Like they didn't have any conversations about, Hey, I'm going to mark this person now because I know for, for my experience, like working for, for my E8s, my seniors, we have those conversations when we're going to mark somebody down. Even if it's just and, one minor markdown, they, they ask us those questions. And, you know, that would be the good thing to do. I also know that one of the reasons why I wasn't a thought to my senior at the time, my superintendent, um, to put up, um, I got it later confirmed by one of my NCOs because uh, she was sitting in the, in the admin position up there at the time because she was pregnant. And then after she had the baby and did a maternity leave, she came back to me. Um, I wasn't considered by her and she told me why. And it was the first time that I generally uh, felt the, the, the power that being discriminated against uh, was because during the time of uh, 
during that COVID, you know, is when uh, all the BLM stuff was going on, right? Um, with George Floyd and, and, and many other, you know, whatever things were going on. But it was really heavy during that, during that same time period. And so there was only one name, one name for our entire flight. And each flight get, got three to give. You could put up three people and you go in there, you do, you talk to the commander, the chief, and then, you know, and you end up, you know, picking the best one, right? Um, she only put up one name and it was the one, <laughs> it was the one African-American tech sergeant that we had that was eligible. And she told my, the admin, if I don't do it, then if I don't take care of my people, then who is? It's like, seriously, like I. This is I, why I, the Air Force has the diversity and inclusion stuff that it has, because it's supposed to be equal and fair for everyone. It should not matter what color your skin is. Not saying and, that, you know, this individual was not worthy, but it that's not what it's supposed to be for. Like a great example of this, Rusty, I know this is not going to comfort you and what you went through. But something mm -hmm. that the Air Force has done with the new EPB, and they've pushed this from our wing, is that we don't include pronouns in the EPB anymore, right? Yes, your name is still on there, so you can pretty much delineate what somebody is, but you don't say he or she, you don't put the names in there. And there's a reason why they do that, because most of the military is made up of males. Who yeah. do you usually see sitting in those heavy leadership positions. You don't see a lot of females. You're starting to see more of it, but you don't see a lot of females. And I'm not saying that there mm. aren't men out there doing a great job and kicking ass, but there's a lot of women out there who are also jobbing and kicking ass and they're not getting recognized like they should be because of that. So that's just one of the things that I've seen. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think that it, that should not have been a factor in a promotion statement for someone I mean, for force distribution. It, yeah. But like, like I knew the guy who went up, he's a cool dude, really good at his job. Um, you know, I, I didn't have any problem with like, like for me, when it comes down to it, if there was a serious conversation had between all the, because there was a lot of us, a lot of E6s that were going up, you know, for promotion that year. And, um, it's one of those things like you have a serious conversation, right? You put all these names on the table, one with just the uh, flight uh, leads, right? All the senior NCO, all the masters, right? You put all the eligible tech sergeants and you start, you start with your own little uh, small um, board of, hey, uh, let's go through all these. Let's start picking the people we think uh, stand out and we're going to narrow them down to three, right? Well, that didn't happen. It didn't happen at all. Um, all the names, all the EPRs went up, of course, cause she was the additional Raider for, for all of us since, you know, we're techs and we all had masters for, for Raiders. But, um, I went up to her and she just picked one. That was it. And as soon as, and I, and I, I tend to find out a lot of stuff. And as soon as she came into the, the meeting with the command and the chief, you know, to, you know, discuss the person. Right. And whenever she gave one, EPR, one name or whatever like that. Commander was like, just one? She's like, yes, ma'am. She's like, but you have three to give and you're only giving me one. She's like, yes, ma'am. 
And when she looked at the name, she closed it. She said, no. It was simple as that. So it was just wasted. Just, just, just because, again, not that he was bad in any way. It was just because, yeah. you know, she knew who he was. Again, good worker. But he did mm-hmm. nothing else to, to stand out like anybody else did. He did he did nothing out of the out of the norm, out of the hey, he volunteered or hey, he did this, he did or whatever like that. And again, that's again, that's not to say like, oh you this is why you need to, but it's the it's the factor, this is why we're talking about it. It's the fucking factor that that we're not only talking about the job. We're talking about, okay, was work good? Sweet. Uh, but what else did he do? What schooling did he do? What volunteering did he do? And that, and that's bullshit to me. Like it's like that because I remember you and me, um, Oh, no, no, no. So I was actually talking about this when I was at a Halloween party um, with uh, with Destiny because her, her her flight chief, he's in uh, he's in Skillbridge right now in, in the terminal. But um, he was talking about this, about how, how bullshit it is, because what you should do is your, your EPB or whatever branch, you know, you're in, whatever that is, you should have that form that only talks about work, period, only talks about work. And if you get to a point where you can't distinguish between two solid people, then extra information is brought in later about did they do any volunteering or did they win any awards or did they do uh, schooling, right, as that kind of tiebreaker. But it shouldn't be included on that form because you shouldn't be sitting there saying, okay, both our work is good. Now uh, we can just make a decision from here because it's like if you can't decide off of just what they did in their job and how much they kicked ass and how much they know their job and how well their people are performing at said job, I I don't understand what, what else you need to know. Because it, to me, it's pretty cut, cut and clear when you look at just work. And that's what it should be about. Work and people. Not work, people, and did you volunteer 10,000 hours this year? Yeah, I agree with you. Um, it's and you know, it's a little bit different when you're going from E6 to E7, right? Because obviously, I, I've been through that process. Um, and I mean, I did not get a promotion statement when I made E7. I made E7 off of just your straight up promote, you know, um, mm-hmm. for Air Force folks. So I did have some things that kind of distinguished me, um, but I didn't get the push at the group, which was fine. Um, I'm not salty about it. Um, but I know just from the feedback that I've gotten from my leaders, when you, when you get to that senior NCO level and you're looking to promote, you know, to E8, E9, they are looking for that stuff. And the way it was presented to me was that we already expect you to be good at your job. We expect Mm -hmm. you to know what the fuck you're doing. Right. So Mm -hmm. as a technical sergeant, you are expected to be that technical expert. You're expected to know your job and do it well. So I'm not disagreeing with you because I do agree that it should be about your job. Um, it should be duty focused. You know, 95% of it should be duty focused. Um, and how are you taking care of your folks, you know, inside of that realm of you doing your, your job that's in your duty description, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what I don't agree with, and I know there's others who feel the same way that I do, um, obviously yourself included, but what I don't agree with is when you fill up an EPR with a bunch of fucking shit that you did for the top three or you did for the five, six. And then yeah. I go and I talk to your airmen and they're like, yeah, they're never here. Cause they're mm-hmm. always out volunteering because yep. since I was an airman, I 
because when, when I got my initial feedback, when I was a brand new airman to the Air Force, I remember my supervisor being like, hey, you know, you should volunteer to this kind of stuff. And I was like, I will volunteer for stuff that I want to do, stuff that I am passionate about and mm-hmm. stuff that's going to help people because me helping people makes me feel like I'm doing good, right? It, it makes you feel fulfilled, you know? Yeah. Um, and I have kept that. I have kept that all through my career, the last 17 years. And when I give feedbacks to my airmen, um, or my NCOs, my subordinates, I tell them the same thing. I'm like, I don't want you just going out and volunteering to volunteer to get a bullet because you're not doing it for the right reason. Go volunteer and lead in these organizations because it's what you want to do. You want to invest your time in it because then I'm going to get that return on investment out of you if you're doing that sort yeah. of thing, because then you're going to network in those organizations and you're going to bring that back to us and you're going to teach us something like, People might think I'm garbage or whatever, whatever their opinion is. I don't go to top three meetings. In fact, I'm not even on the top three distro anymore for Canon, which I'm PCSing soon anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But I've never gone to a top three meeting. And the reason why is because I don't like playing the politics. Not that I don't want to get to know people, because I do. I got to yeah. know people during the senior and COPES. I love talking to people and networking across the base, but I do that through my job. I do that through connecting with people that I'm working with, like, hey, you're an organization that I work with um, for the weekly schedule or, hey, you're an exec up at the wing. I'm going to greet you and try to have a conversation with you and work with you. I don't have to be in one of those organizations to network with people because yeah. of how I am as a person. So mm-hmm. all that to say, I think, you know, I agree with you. You should be looking <laughs> at the job. But the flip side of that is they're already expecting you to be kicking ass at that. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Yeah, and uh, and I get that. I just think that if they placed a little bit more focus and maybe like a a change kind of in how you would put in the EPB or, you know, again, I don't even know how it looks anymore, but like something that focuses on, you know, how did you lead your team, you know, how, like, what did you do? Like, cause obviously if I'm putting them up for awards, you know, to win off the job, like, Hey, this guy deserves to be airman of the month because he did this and he does that, or this guy needs, this girl needs to be airman of the quarter. And here's all the work she did and, and how I helped her get there. To me, that's like right there. That's showing you late, like true leadership. You're actually getting involved with your people. You're actually promoting and helping your people because that's what you're supposed to do. That's what's expected of you. But it doesn't really ever focus on that. It, it, it's kind of hard to show your ability to lead outside of just putting I was the president of the five six or whatever like that, right? It's kind of show hard to show how well you led your people when there's like really nothing to put in the rating uh, in, on the form to to specifically ask that. And, it, and to me, that's like well, if you want to know about my leadership. It should matter about what my leaders and how well I lead on the job, not in a private organization out of my job. Yeah, one of the um, one of the major changes, and, and Destiny may have brought this up to you, Rusty. Um, the major change that they did to the EPB. So obviously, it's a narrative style format, right? So it's performance statements uh-huh. as opposed to what we would call bullets where we would fucking jumble a bunch of words together and a bunch of numbers and make it look like fucking science in there. And, and boom, that was your EPR, right? So now yeah. they 
it's based on the major graded areas. So there's four major graded areas. You have managing resources, leading people, improving the unit, and executing the mission. So the way that they look at it now is based on your duty description still, how are you meeting those marks in those major graded areas? Um, and what are you doing to apply that? Right. So like, yeah. for instance, you take, like, say you get a PMP certification, right. And mm -hmm. you're like, Oh, boom, I got a PMP certification. So like on the old EPR, you just put bam, completed PMP certification, got so many credits, whatever. Yay. I'm a PMP. Well, yeah. now what they're looking at is, okay, well, cool. You got a PMP. That's great for you. What did you do to improve your work center? What did you do to yeah. improve the unit, you know, using that, right? So you kind of capture it that way. So it's a little bit more of not did you like, because not did you exceed the standard, but how did you use what you did to improve your work center, you yeah. know? Um, and there's places for you to kind of, you know, like the leading the people and stuff. That's where you would kind of pop in that stuff like, oh, well, I led five, six and I did X amount of events supporting X amount of people. This was kind of the result, like. Hey, I led a, um, like a records review. Right. And then yeah. X amount of people got promotion statements because they took that information. Right. So you're leading people in that sense. Um, so that's, that's kind of where they've gone, which I think is a lot better because I'm more of a narrative person anyway. Like I hated writing EPRs because I felt like you had to gonculate it into all this crazy shit. And I was just never good at it. Um, just <laughs> admitting my weakness, but I like the narrative because I like it, but I also don't like it because you only get 350 characters per block. So you, you still have to squeeze stuff in and you can't abbreviate anymore. Um, but Aww. I like it because you can, yeah, <laughs> but you can kind of, you can kind of capture those impacts and you can take like that stuff. Like, you, you know, if you're keeping a record of everything you've done throughout the year and, and you're taking care of your folks and you're getting award winners and stuff like that, you know, you're taking those packages um, and your people are doing this great stuff. And then your people have something off that 1206 that they can use for their EPBs. And then mm -hmm. you can also look back and say, hey, I netted this, you know, many award winners. Um, and that shows your leadership as well and kind of how you're stepping out. Um, so that's how I do it because I'm I'm the same way. Like I like doing stuff like this, like doing the podcast and stuff and talking with people and helping people and, you know, having airmen. I, I am more concerned about having my airmen, um, any airmen in the squadron I would rather them feel like they can come and sit and have a conversation with me for 30 minutes and I'm out of pocket for that than being out of pocket, just volunteering to volunteer. And they need because you at least and, if, they, and they can't and find And they you. need you. Yeah. And, it, you know, and, and I have that trust and rapport with people in the unit and I'm like, hey, my door's open. You need anything? Like, come talk to me. Um, and I send that to anybody. But I would rather do that because that's still leading and taking care of people. Yeah, I mean, oh no, hang on, let me get this, stop doing it, come on, nope, nope, cool, not touching anymore, um, so, I mean, I'm glad that, you know, I made those changes, you know, obviously I never had to do it and whatnot, but one thing that I never agreed with and I never even pushed my my people to do um, as far as when it came to the education block, right? Um, now, when it comes to like certifications, right? Like you said, PMP or green belt or stuff like that, that I will give to you like, yeah, 
uh, you got the certification focuses on this specific thing. Uh, when you got it, how do you apply it, you know, to, to improve the workplace, right? I understand that. Um, but as far as when it came to just going to school in general for your degree, um, like I ended up getting my master's in Homeland Security. I got, I did the AU ABC program for my bachelor's, um, for other branches. We don't know what it is. Is like whenever you get your associate's degree through what we have as a community college of the air force. I don't know if the army and the Marines or anybody like that have something similar, but it's like a degree for your job, like for your actual job it, with all the training you did going from, I mean, literally all the way to basic training to tech school through, um, upgrade and everything like that. Like you, you keep earning credits as you come along. And um, you still have to do, you know, take your general educations and then knock out that associate's degree. Well, when you get that associate's degree through the community college of the Air Force, some of these schools that are military friendly, they offer uh, a bachelor's program where they'll take like pretty much every credit from that. And then like when I, when I was done, I transferred over, I had to do nine classes uh, and I got a bachelor's in leadership, you know, it was just a bachelor's. When I decided to go for my master's program, I wanted to focus on something that I truly was interested in, that I wanted to learn, and that was Homeland Security. So for me, personally, my master's program was the easiest out of all the degrees that I got because I, I wanted to learn. I loved it. I, I enjoyed everything that I learned about that. And what I always ended up get tell, getting told was like, okay, well, how does that relate to your job? I'm like, it doesn't. Well, why would you waste getting a master's degree if, it, if it's not relating to your job to, to improve your job in the Air Force? I'm like, what does it matter? I'm going to school. I'm, I'm broadening myself. I have four degrees. Each one of them are in a different like focus because I'm not going to sit there and keep studying the same thing over and over and over again. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. I'm, I'm broadening my aspect. I have my CCAF degree from Community College of the Air Force that's in the Associates of Science. Applied Science and Logistics, because that's what our job was. Then I have an Associates of Science in Exercise Science. When I got my, when I was getting on my personal training certification, then I ended up getting an associate's degree. And I have my Bachelor's of Science, or not, Bachelor's of Science in Leadership, and then my Master's of Science in Homeland Security. So I, I don't, like, if I was to go back to school again right now for another, you know, for another Bachelor's degree, because I can through Texas, I'm going to focus on something else because I, I don't believe in just sticking with one thing, like broaden your horizons, broaden your knowledge, make yourself like that much more marketable. But I always got told like, well, I mean, yeah, you got a master's degree and that's awesome. Um, but when it comes to you coming up against a tech sergeant with a bachelor's degree in supply chain management and you have a master's degree in homeland security, they're going to look better. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I wanted to learn this. I got my master's degree. I used up literally every ounce and every drop of, you know, money that I had for my TA because, you know, that was it. It capped out. You know, I could not go to school anymore after I got my master's degree because I used it all up. And then and I always told that to my to my people too, my airmen and my NCOs. I was like, you want to go to school? I'm going to help you and I'll tell you what to do. I was like, what I'm not going to tell you is you're a logistics guy. You're a supply girl. You need to go to school for logistics or supply because you need to do something that applies to your job. No, I never told them that. Focus on something that you're actually interested in that will make you want to learn and make school easier for you. 
I never told my people to fucking, you know, focus on something that improves your job. I don't believe in that. It's like people don't realize that there is a life outside of the Air Force. Mm-hmm. Like you can go to school and get a degree in something that has nothing to do with the Air Force because eventually you're going to hang the uniform up. Yep. That's like and- you, like. Because I know what your career aspirations were and what you want to do and the reason why you went with Homeland Security. And I'm like, dude, that's fucking dope, right? But supply chain, okay, listen, I started going to school for supply chain management with my bachelor's degree and I fucking hated it because (laughs) civilian logistics is very different from military logistics. And it just, it fucking boggled my brain. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do project management instead because I liked it. And that's what Mm -hmm. I did. Um, Will I ever be a project manager? I have no idea. But I liked going to school for it and I liked doing it. But at the end of the day, you want to use those benefits and enjoy what you're doing and enjoy what you're learning because, again, it goes back to not being a fucking burden and not burning yourself out. Mm -hmm. If you're doing something that you hate, what's the point in fucking doing it? Yeah, because what I wanted to do when I got out, because I was already thinking this far ahead with my master's degree, is I wanted to be a federal agent. I wanted to be ICE, uh, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a federal agent, and um, and you know play that gig. I tried to apply for a couple. You know, whenever I was waiting to get out, you no know, go, and it's not easy to to get onto those jobs. So, you know, but in the end, I don't regret getting my master's degree in Homeland Security because it didn't pan out to exactly what I wanted for a job. I don't care. I loved what I learned. And I enjoyed it. And I and the fact that I enjoyed it was why I was able to get through it so easily because it was something that I wanted to learn, not staying on a path because the Air Force said that, well, if you're going to get your degrees, you need to do it this way. That way you look better. No, I would have. I probably wouldn't have gotten my bachelor's if I would have stayed in logistics or supply chain management because I don't fucking care. I hate it. I was really good at my job. Don't get me wrong. But I, I, I didn't want to learn more about it. Fuck that. I already had my bachelor's in leadership. And to me, it's like, oh, hey, that's kind of my job because I'm a leader. But if you're going to sit there and say, you need to go to school for supply chain management, you can go to school to suck my nuts. I'm not doing it. Like, so right now. Underwater basket weaving, remember? Exactly. You just get a degree in underwater basket weaving. (laughs) Gender gender studies. uh, um, (laughs) Yeah. Queer dance theory and whatever. But you have but, a bachelor's um, degree. Right? You don't look good on paper in the Air Force. Yeah. But what I will say is if you're going to go anywhere in that realm, okay? Now, if you like supply chain, logistics, and stuff like that, knock yourself out. Go to school until you die. I don't care. What I'm saying is when it comes down to certain things like that, like with Jess getting her project management certification, you did get it, right? Yeah, I got my uh, certified associate, so I didn't do my PMP. It's the one right below the PMP. Well, still, she got an, she got a certification. I got you know the quote unquote Air Force Green Belt uh, certification for process improvement, which is cool. I I plan on eventually getting my civilian Six Sigma one, but I don't need to right now, so I'm just kind of putting it off. But what I'm doing currently, and I know I just spoke a whole bunch of shit about supply chain management, but um. I'm getting a graduate certification in supply chain management currently. Reason being is because 
I'm looking at future career aspirations, you know, with Lockheed, you're getting promoted and a lot of it stems through the supply chain management group. doesn't mean that I'll be focusing on that, but again, it'll look good. And here's where the big kicker comes in when, why I say go for certifications, because if you're trying to get a supply chain management degree, just a bachelor's, I mean, you're looking at a couple of years going to school, multiple classes, you know, you know, however long semesters are. And so like all that stuff, you're looking for a couple of years just to get a degree in certain supply chain management. Whereas I'm taking four classes. That's it. Four eight week courses. And then I get a graduate certificate in supply chain management. And at that point, it's like, why waste your fucking time, your brain capacity and all that stress over years? Because if you're not in a STEM field, or, you know, medical field or, or law, don't fucking kill yourself going to school for that long. Get certifications. The fucking, I'll tell you right now, the civilian work cares more about that than your degrees. If it's not, if you're not going into like specific engineering type shit, but it, it looks better and it focuses on exactly what you want to learn. And you're not doing all these extra stupid fucking fill in elective classes and general stuff because it, it doesn't fucking apply to you. Why, why waste your time and your fucking sanity doing that shit when it doesn't even apply to your job? Like, seriously, why even do that? So that's why I tell you guys, um, if you get a bachelor's degree, by all means, great. Good for you. I'm proud of you. But don't think you have to go for a master's. If you're, not, if you're going for a master's and it's, not a M, and it's not like an MBA, which is very valuable on the outside, or like I said, STEM, medical, or law, don't waste your time. Immediately start looking at certifications. Whatever career field or career area you're looking to go to, 99.9% of the time, I guarantee you, if you go in there with a project management certification or a Six Sigma green belt or black belt or like it's just any one of these actual certifications from really highly accredited institutions, you're going to jump to the, you're going to jump to the top of the fucking hiring list because those are hot right now and they're only getting more and more desirable. I'm telling you, that's what you want to do. And if you're in, if you're still enlisted and in the military, or even if you're um, transitioning out or a veteran, uh, GI Bill covers that, you know, like you, that's what I'm telling you. Like, look into that and devote your time and reduce stress and stuff on on certifications, and and don't don't waste your time and your sanity on going to school for a couple of years. Yeah, I've I've heard that same thing. The certifications tend to add up more, um, which you just reminded me. I need to start working on my PDUs for my gap. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like for me for my master's degree. So like. I think, I think I am the only person in my family. Well, no, my cousin has a master's degree. He just graduated with his master's in theology. I'm one of maybe two in my family. So I think it's just me and my cousin that have our master's degrees. I could be wrong, but that's what I think. Um, and the reason I went for the master's was, A, I liked what I was doing. I really enjoyed my master's program. I enjoyed it a lot more than my bachelor's degree. Because Same. your bachelor's degree is kind of like your associates. It's just... You have a lot of filler classes and then you kind of work on your concentration near the end and then you're, you know, whatever capstone that they have and then you're done. For your master's, 
you're taking all the stuff that you learned and you're actually applying it, at least the way it worked for my school. So like for my bachelor's, I had to build an actual project, um, which I built a, basically a proposal for a hot air balloon for the New Mexico Civil Air Patrol. Um, so they could start up their balloon program because what they were doing was creating balloon pilots to then get them into glider pilots and then become fixed wing pilots because that's what Civil Air Patrol does. So I was able to build that. And that was fun for me because I was like, okay, I'm doing this for school, but I'm also doing it for a volunteer organization that I enjoy working with. So I was yeah. able to kind of kill two birds with one stone. For my master's degree, um, I had to also build a project and I just built it off of this hypothetical what if here in my unit, because I was still in the guard at the time, what if we got a helicopter unit here, if, if we stood up as, as, a, as a helicopter unit, right? We had actual Ooh. airframes and they weren't owned by active duty. So I built a whole project proposal based on that. Um, yeah. But my, my whole reasoning for getting my master's was when my dad was still alive and I was in high school, I remember us having the conversation of, hey, do you want to go to college? Or do you want to join the military or do you just want to get a regular job? Like, what do you want to do after high school? And I was like, well, I think mm -hmm. I'll join the military, you know? And he was like, well, do you want to try to commission? What do you want to do? And I was like, I'll enlist. And he goes, I'm going to tell you two things. He goes, the first thing is they're going to offer you your GI bill. You're going to pay for it for a year. It's a hundred dollars out of your paycheck. Once that hundred dollars starts or stops coming out for your GI bill, you haven't seen that money in a year. Start putting that money into a savings account like an IRA. And I started doing that at 19. The second thing my dad told me was the air force is going to pay you and pay for you to go to school. So mm -hmm. go to school and use your benefits. So when I left active duty and I started working with my GI bill, I was going to do a second associates and my bachelor's degree at UNM. And then I started thinking I only have so many months of benefits. So I've already mm -hmm. got an associate's degree. I go ahead and get my bachelor's. And then I have so many months left over. I want to get my master's degree because I yep. barely graduated high school. So I can show people that you can struggle through high school and not be really good at math and still not really good at math. Um, Haha, ha, for the teachers, you said we never have calculators, but I wanted to get a master's degree to prove to myself that I could do it. Yeah. So everybody's going to have those different motivations, but I absolutely agree with you, man. You don't have to do it in your job. You can do it mm -hmm. in it's psychology or, you know, marine biology or whatever you want to do, because like I said, the air force is going to end at some point and you, nobody can take away your education. Yep. Nobody. Once you have it, you have it. What I'll say is if you don't know what you want to go to school for, like, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up, whatever. Right. If you're in the air force, uh, go, do whatever you need to do to go through the AUABC program, get your bachelor's. It's very, it was very easy. Uh, two, if you do want to get, you say, oh, I want a master's degree, but again, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to study. Do your MBA. It's so universally accepted wherever you go. And it is just, it is just great. Like, hey, I have my MBA. It just sounds good. People, the companies love that. So if you don't know what you want to do and you, you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to go to school for this or do or if I want to study that, just get your MBA. Then you will be very, very valuable in the civilian world. I'm going to plug in there too on that, Rusty, because um, I didn't do an MBA. I could have, but I chose not to because I hate accounting. Um, yep. If you don't want to do an MBA, there's also a Master of Science in Management. 
And that also mm -hmm. looks good. That's what I did. And then I got my concentration in project management. So if you just decide, I don't know what I want to focus on, but I at least kind of want to work towards my master's, that's something that you can do as well. And companies do look at that and, and they, they regard it well. Um, but yeah, I definitely those certifications, like you can't go mm -hmm. wrong with those. You could have an associate's degree and have 15 certifications and you're probably going to get looked at before the dude with the master's degree will. It's just yep. keeping it real. Mm-hmm. <sighs> guys when it comes down to it just I would honestly just advise you if you are stressed out of your mind if you are just thinking you don't you don't know how you you're going to be able to do everything uh, that they're asking for you that they need you to do because of this that and the third in the end only worry about two things your job and your people that's what matters most because eventually what I don't think these you know, people realize is the more you do and the more you do and the more you do because they're asking you and you're trying so hard, one of two things or both is going to fail, your job or your people. Because you're either not going to be at your job because you're going to be doing all this extra shit and therefore you, you, you're just not, it, it, it doesn't matter how long you've been in, eventually you're just kind of, you're going to start getting a little iffy because you're just not around it and you're not doing it you're looking at it like i know how to do it i've done this a thousand times but you haven't done it in so long and you're just like i need a refresher two your people are looking to you and you're never there and therefore why would you be considered a good leader when you're never there for your people so if one or both of those suffer or are suffering because you're trying to kill yourself do all this other shit to look good and get promoted my advice to you is fucking stop. Stop. Take care of the job. Take care of your people. And in the end, it'll help you take care of yourself. Because I, whenever I got to that point, yeah, I, I started getting looked at. Like, well, you're so good at your job. And your people love you. And you're doing good. You're like, you know, well, but why aren't you doing this? Like, Because I don't fucking want to. And I'm not going to. I'm not. I, I kill myself at work. Because I need to, and, I, and I'm good, and I'm going to get the job done to the best of my abilities. I kill myself for my people because I love them, and I'm going to take care of them, and I'll make sure they're okay. Because when you get to that point in leadership, you end up making sacrifices for yourself to take care of your people. You let them all go early so you can stay late because they deserve it. They earned it. They're doing good, you know? Then I go home, and... You know, I was married. I had two kids. Like, I, it's not easy, especially overseas. You're, you're doing a lot of shit. You know, it, it's busy. So why the hell am I going to continue to kill myself even more? That doesn't have to do with one of three things. My job, my people, or my family. I'm not doing it. I'm not fucking doing it. So if you guys are to that point, I would say just fucking stop. Because it's not worth it. It is not fucking worth it. Yeah, I'm with you on that, man. Definitely with you on that. There's no point in, in destroying yourself over it because I uh, I have learned um, in my time in the military that it's either going to cost you, you know, I mean, not all the time, but depending on your career aspirations and how hard you want to push at those career aspirations, one of two things is going to take priority. It's either going to be your family or it's going to be your career, right? 
And it's a very delicate balance to try to balance that stuff. Um, obviously, you know, I am a divorcee and I'm not blaming that on the Air Force at all. Um, there were other reasons as to why I got divorced, but it, it, it is hard. Even, even without kids, it's hard to go to work all day and bust your ass and then come home and then your spouse is just hollering at you about dumb shit after they've sat on their ass all day. I'm not saying that everybody's like that, but in my particular <laughs> case, that's how it was. So um, you do kind of have to look at, you know, what what is it that you're willing to sacrifice? And if you do have a spouse, you know, having those conversations with your spouse and your spouse understanding that, hey, you're going to make those sacrifices because you're trying to do it to, you know, get promoted, you know, better yourself and make a little more money for your family. But also, mm -hmm. you know, getting promoted is not just about the money. It's also about the fact that now you have more of a reach to take care of your people. And that's something that I've learned over the last year and a half that I've been a senior NCO. Um, you know, they preached us whenever we have folks so on, you know, we just had some folks so on, uh, E7 the other day. And, and that's something that um, my leadership has preached to us like, hey, it's not about you anymore. It's about them. And it's about the team. Um, and I've, I've heard this, this term the last couple of years, it's you are they. And they is remember when you were a young airman, and you were like, they said I had to do this, or they said I had to do that, or they're telling me this, and they're mm -hmm. just in my face for no reason. You are now that. Right. So how are you going to change that perspective and not ruin your people? Um, because if you take care of your people, and I've said this plenty of times to my folks, when you take care of your people, everything else will fall into place. Yep. You just have to figure out the best way to take care of them. And like I've said plenty of times before, what I have learned is it's not always just being nice and holding their hand and, you know, you, you hold their hand a little bit to an extent, right? When you're a brand new airman, you're like fish out of fucking water, but yep. learning how to balance that. And it takes time. You don't so on E7 and all of a sudden you've got all the fucking answers. Like, no, absolutely no. not. I, from experience, I have had to learn, um, but you do grow into it. You grow into the stripe, you grow into every rank that you promote into. Um, and if you don't, that's okay. Like I, it, I know plenty of people who have retired as, as E5s and that's fine. Mm -hmm. They were some of the hardest working people I fucking knew and people loved them. They were SMEs, same with tech sergeants, you know? Um, and it's just all about what it is that you want to do and where it is that you see yourself going. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with you doing what's best for you. I also think a little bit of, you know, these you know, some airmen, NCOs, and some senior NCOs, depending on, you know, what they're trying to achieve and what they're being told they need to do. They're killing themselves so damn much that, you know, that's what we're seeing, you know, some divorces attributed to, you know, because they're so focused on, you know, trying to hit these goals and trying to hit these, you know, points of recognition for promotion because, you know, they, they might they need that extra money, you know, to help support their family and stuff like that. And before you know it, the family's gone because they were they were just pushing themselves too fucking much. And I think that's I think that's one of a thousand reasons why you know military divorce is so high. But I do think that does attribute to a, to quite a few 
because in the end, what the, I think what some of the number one things that, you know, spouses, uh, you know, divorced spouses from the military be like, I just, I just, I needed him and he wasn't there. I needed her and, he, and she wasn't there. You know, like I just, just feel like she, they never gave me attention, whatever like that, you know, and that could be attributed to a hundred million different things. But this is what comes to mind when I'm, when I say, if you're killing yourself and you're, you're overextending yourself and your family is being, is getting hurt, then uh, and your job's starting to slip and then your people are starting to fail, just fucking cut it out. Like, it just stop. It's not worth it. 100%, man. I agree with you. Well, started real, got real heavy. But any closing remarks, Jess? Nope. I would just say, um, yeah, you guys keep doing what you're doing. If you feel in your heart you're doing the right thing, then more than likely you're doing the right thing. Yep. Just have that internal mm-hmm. check with yourself. And honestly, when you when you choose to yourself, your family, and, and your job, and your people over the extra bullshit, and you just stop overextending yourself, you guys don't understand the relief that comes over you when you when you just automatically say, "I'm done. I'm done with doing all this shit because I, I don't need to, and I'm I'm not going to." When I made that decision, oh my god. I was I was so relieved. It literally felt like I just took the Air Force off of my shoulders. <laughs> like it was just ridiculous. But that's what I'm saying. So thank you guys. Um, remember, go check us out on social, Facebook and Instagram. Go like and follow at TCW Podcast 23. Um, on our Instagram, it's on Facebook too, but Instagram is easier. When you go to our link tree, we have two two new things, you know, that we've been trying to get out there. One if you want and choose voluntarily, we don't push it that much. If you want to get, uh, get to the podcast, because right now we're still just trying to get some good equipment, get our, our area set up because we want to start bringing uh, YouTube and live uh, video channel to you guys here next next year. Um, that'd be grateful. But again, you know, we're not going to push, push too hard on it. It's just something that's new on there. And if you want to come onto the podcast, there is a link for a Survey Monkey to apply to come on. Just answer the questions. We'll get the notification. We'll review it, and then uh, if anything, we'll contact you, and then we'll we'll talk a little bit more, and then we'll decide whether or not we want to bring you on. But if you if you want to come on, you want to talk about something, by all means, apply to come on. We would love to have you. But until then, what I will say now, friends, take care of yourself. Take care of your job. Take care of your people and choose your family above all. Nothing else. Take care, guys. Thank you for listening. Bye, guys. Bye.